Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. You guys know by now that we do a bunch of commercials in the beginning, in the middle of these episodes. Um, there's two things here. One, patreon.com, Working Dog Radio. We put the episodes up without commercials. How about that? But here's the thing, guys. I know you people. I know what you're doing. You're skimming forward and you're fast forwarding through the commercials. But I'm telling you, you want to listen to these and you want to listen to the ones in the middle of the episode because we put new discount codes. We put new job opportunities, new training opportunities, new gear, new equipment, new sponsors, all kinds of new cool stuff in there. You don't want to skip it because you don't want to miss it. Especially especially the discount codes. So make sure you guys are paying attention. And having said that, we're going to kick it off right now with one of my favorites. Right. Uh, RayAllen.com. We've had a great relationship with Ray Allen for a long time. They want you to know that they've heard you loud and clear and they have revamped their customer service, faster response times, easier to get a hold of them, faster shipping, faster order uh, fulfillment. Um, any kind of issues they had, they ironed it out. RayAllen.com for everything dog related not just working dog, working dog, pet, anything you need. I just bought about 300 bucks worth of stuff the other day. Mixture of pets and police dogs in one click. I loved it. RayAllen.com. Uh, we got hits coming up. Um, it's going to be in August this year. It's going to be at the McCormick place in Chicago. Um, it moves around. So, you know, one of the things they're really good about is it's not in the same location every year. So every four years, it's probably in a different area or it's in a different area of the country and they make it super obvious about um, rotating all of their uh, instructors too. So if you come last time they were, say, in Dallas like four years ago, when they go back to that area, you're not going to see the same people over and over again. When we were there last year, there was like 1,200 people and they're talking about having 13 to 1,500 and we've got 100 vendors in the vendor hall this year. They get ready to have a price increase. And I know you people, and I mean you people as handlers, you guys wait for the last fucking second to do everything. And I know it's not your money, but the hotel fills up quick. Then you got to walk everywhere in Chicago, which is probably going to suck because it's going to be super hot. So get your tickets booked. It's going to be August 13th through the 16th this year at McCormick Place in Chicago. Go to hitsk9, letter K number nine, dot net. Get signed up. Look at the class schedule. Plan on where you're going to go. And uh, yeah, submit all of your forms to all of your admins so you can get it paid for. And uh, you'll see us there. We're going to be doing live recordings and come by the booth, get a beer, and uh, have a challenge going. We got some custom challenges coins we're making so um we're not uh, we're not giving them beer though ted they have no 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 yeah no yeah that's yeah get a beer and bring it with you if that was if that was not obvious i guess that's my bad all right so uh one of the booths that's also going to be it hits probably right across from us if uh if it's anything like last year's our friends at dogtra um i love dogtra Dogtra dogtra.com great company um you guys have heard of us you know they're Especially you guys, you uh, policemen, you law enforcement handlers, their um, remote is so set up for you guys to have on your gear. There's tons of different uh, Molly gear you can get for Dogtra uh, remotes. The 1900S is the best collar I have used. I love that thing. Their ball popper is all revamped. Um, They figured out. Anything with a battery should be rechargeable. The ball popper is rechargeable. It's kicking ass. Dogtra.com. They have a discount code, WDR10, for 10% off of any order over $200. Dogtra.com. 
So this next one is somebody that we it's new to the podcast uh, or they just signed up. So I just mentioned challenge coins. Now, everybody knows that everybody loves dogs and everybody listening, whether you're search and rescue, whether you're FEMA, whether you're, uh, you know, sheriff's office, whatever, everybody in the public loves seeing dogs. And the one thing that I always see is people handing out challenge coins or handing out um, the little like playing cards with the dog's information and all that stuff on it. So one of the new sponsors for the podcast is Combat Bet, which is spelled B-E-T at the end, like you're betting. Uh, They have the little challenge coins that are shaped like poker chips. And ironically enough, they're pretty inexpensive for um, like a department to have for a canine unit. You can have them on their little, you can have the dog's picture on one side, you can have the sheriff's office shield on the other side, whatever you want to do. You can even print on the collar of it. And they do two different versions. They got the, the ceramic poker chip ones and they've also do a couple of metal ones um so depending on how much you want to spend or whatever else you can get a variety of different things and they can print pictures on so you can get the picture of the dog and the handler on there hand them out to kids when you go do your school demos and you guys look like heroes which is freaking awesome so they're doing a discount code for everybody so if you go to combat bet bet.com and you'll get a discount of 10% off of your total order price which isn't a whole lot to begin with so it's working dog radio spelled out head over there hit them up tell them we sent you use a discount code hand out coins to kids that's all you got to do that's it yeah i think our first sponsor that we ever got when we got on the podcast is arno at alm um i love alm the dude the dude has been so good to us so good to everybody um i'm telling you right now man you want tugs and i mean we go through tugs a lot I give them out to all the handlers when they come through. And I don't use anyone else but Arno at ALM. Uh, his tugs are the best, period. They hold up. They're great. The dogs love them. Everything's great. And I've I've done a ton of social media stuff about his hidden sleeve. His hidden sleeve is so legit. It is yeah. so good. It's the easiest, the easiest one to put on and take off. It is so... Functional, Like I use it, you know, under stuff as a hidden sleeve, but I use it as a, just as a regular sleeve sometimes. Um, it, you do feel it. It does suck. I'm not going to lie to you, <laughs> but it is a perfect sleeve for what we like to do. He has a discount code WD radio for 10% off almk 9 equipmentcom Hit him up. Yep. One of the other ones that we super like are the guys at USA Canine. So it's no secret that Eric and I have some dogs that bite hard <laughs> at our kennels yep. and True. tear shit up all the time. Uh, my personal dog loves to chew through Kongs, even the black ones. So the guys at USA Canine, they tend to mm-hmm. last a lot longer. So I use Dutch boxes and I use poppers at the kennel. Uh, we've gotten some that have gone, what, like six months now on ropes with dogs with I don't know how many dogs gone through on uh, these toys and they're still going very strong so head over to USA dash canine letter K number nine use the discount code canine letter K number nine pro get a discount they got bombs they got grenades they got actual ball shaped ones they have a new one too right it looked like a little rocket or something so head over hit them up get some toys dogs love it 
They do. You guys remember our episode with Cameron Ford? Uh, Cameron Ford's worked all over the United States. Um, he's done all ty- all kinds of multi-purpose canine training. Detection is his thing. It is what he does the most as what his scientific approach yep. uh, has proven like very effective. The things he does. Well, Cameron moved to Las Vegas to join the folks over at Silver State Canine. Um, they offer a ton of stuff. They have a class coming up. You got to get on this quick though guys uh july 29th to august 9th 29th to august 9th it's a um going to be a handler and trainers course you got to get on it and they're going to rerun it september 9th through the 20th this is not a cakewalk but i'm telling you you will learn a scientific method for this um it's it's good stuff man check them out silverstatek9.com they um just so Say you can't go to Vegas, can't make it to Vegas. Maybe you don't have enough comp time. You got, you don't have enough vacation time. They won't let you travel. You get a hold of uh, the folks at Silver State, and they will send Cameron to you, and they'll do a forty-hour detection dog seminar for you. You can get your all your unit, get all your training group. He'll come to you. SilverStateK9.com. Check them out. So speaking of traveling, October 30th through November 2nd of this year, our friends down at Southern Coast Canine, New Smyrna Beach, are going to be hosting the Hard Dog Fast Dog Competition. It's the Police Motorcycle and Canine Skills Challenge hosted by our friends at Southern Coast, Peggy and Bill and Danny. So uh, I'm actually going to be down there announcing the uh, Hard Dog Fast Dog Competition. Now, it's limited to the first three. 30 canine teams uh, and the first 30 detection teams. And they're also doing a competition the 4th through the 7th, which they do every year, which is a huge odor uh, seminar and detection seminar and competition. And at the end of the three days, you actually certify within NDDA, but there's going to be 125 teams in attendance, so it should be a good time. Be sure to head over to Southern Coast Canine, hit them up, look at it, and come down and see me, and I'm sure I'll be heckling whoever's going to be decoying because you, you're you going to get smashed. I don't know what to tell you. Get, be on your A game. Yeah. All right, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Uh, this is Ted Summers from Tulsa, Oklahoma. With me, as always, is Eric Stanbro. Eric, what's up? Uh, day four of my handler school that I'm teaching um, yeah. ended today. It's, nice. it's, I like hot weather, man. I like the summer. It's been hot as shit. Um, <laughs> Mainly because I live at a lake. That's why I like it. But uh, it's doing good, man. Um, I have two handlers in from the Police Canine Association locally. I've, I trained their previous dogs, and uh, this is their – they're all retreads. And then a female handler coming up – came up from Tennessee, and um, all, all the dogs came from me. So uh, we're having fun, man. It's a good time. And uh, now I'm having a, a beer. Yeah, excellent. I just had one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, we've just got uh, a bunch of dogs we're finishing up for a bunch of schools that are ending up. Uh, we're gonna, I guess it's going to be in, like, September, October is when those schools are going to be. So I've got a little bit of time. But, yeah, so we've been tracking. It's finally drying out. So other than that, ain't nothing been going on. So uh, tonight is the second episode of the Ladies of Canine version 2.0. So, um, yeah, tonight with us we have uh, PSA judge, PSA secretary, and PSA competitor, uh, Katrina Williams. Katrina, what's up? Hey, how are you? We are doing well, or I am. I don't know about Eric. It sounds like he is. He said he's drinking, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, that's a good thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, so why don't you give us a little background about how you got into canine, um, and we'll take it from there. 
Okay, I... So I was living down in D.C., going to grad school, finally bought a house and decided to get my first dog. I got a lab, and she was show lines with some hunting lines mixed in, and she had entirely too much energy. So I took her to this trainer that came highly recommended, and I started, you know, he's like, wow, he's like, she's really got some drive. Have you ever considered, you know, doing something more advanced with her? And I'm like, like what? He's like, well, why don't you come to my advanced class? So I went to the advanced class and, you know, of course there's all German shepherds in this dumb looking lab and they were training for Schutzens. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I didn't know anything about Schutzen, um, especially not, you know, I didn't know that labs would not be very good at it but guess what she did bite work my dog did bite work um you know so i started training her um and about a year into training her we as a club you know and i had been doing tracking with her bite work all of that we had her comfortably on a sleeve we discovered psa we went to a psa trial in baltimore and we were all like, oh, my God, we love this. And we decided to start training with, at the time, it was Capital Cities Canine. Um, Joe Morris, who was the co-founder of PSA, was the owner of Capital Cities. Um, Greg Williams was his head trainer. And I quickly found out that Walla Lab will do bite work. It you know, and she had she had pretty good nerve too, but she probably was not going to be very well suited for PSA. So I got my first Malinois, and the rest is kind of history. I mean, I'm also married to Greg now, so I guess it's really <laughs> history. It <laughs> yeah, so right. yeah. Uh, so when so you when, got it, when you started getting into it, what what made you go to that that PSA, um, that that first trial that you went to see? What what where'd you find it? What how how that work out? I don't even remember to be honest. Um, the guy that I was training with, Wes, was like, oh, you know, I found out that there's this club up in up near Baltimore that does, you know, bike sport training, you know, and I was still really new and I just, I didn't really know a whole lot, but he was like, you know, they're having a competition. Maybe we should take a ride up. So we did. And then we're hooked ever since. Yeah, pretty much. Real quick. How many dogs uh, do you have now at the house? (laughs) You really want me to count? (laughs) I do. I do, because you PSA people are nuts, all of you. Um, so we have several retired dogs, and we have – I currently have two dogs that I'm training. I have three that are retired. I think three, one, two. Yeah, three that are retired. And Greg has one that's retired, and we do. I also have a litter of puppies on the ground. I saw that on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, looks like little animals, like nasty it, ones. 
<laughs> yeah, they're a whole lot of fun. Uh, so, um, when you get into face, or when you get into uh, PSA, and you get your first mile on wall. How did that go? Because at this point, you were just a competitor. You weren't a judge. You weren't the secretary. You weren't running anything. Um, so, uh, talk about because I get a lot of questions from people that come to me uh, here locally in Oklahoma, which is a different deal altogether uh, about PSA. And so, kind of talk a little bit about um, <laughs> the the shock <laughs> of some of that coming in. <laughs> Um, so I will tell you that I did things completely, can I say ass backwards? <laughs> Back ass oh, 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 yeah, no, it. yeah, no, you can, yes. <laughs> you can say, you can say okay. fucked yeah, up, yeah, we don't yeah, care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I did things completely ass backwards, and I do not recommend doing this. I got my first Malinois, I got a puppy, I decided... You know, I'm going to compete with her. She turns a year old. Greg and I are now living together. He is getting ready to compete at nationals in L.A. with his female Asia. We take her out there. And this is the first time I'm really getting to see all the levels up close. So I decide, because a friend of mine owned a dog that already had its PSA, too. I decided that I wanted to compete in the threes with this dog. So I borrowed this dog. <laughs> is this Siler? Oh, Lord. No, this is not Siler. This is a dog oh, okay. by the name of DJ. Oh, Siler's okay. a whole different ball game. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. That motherfucker <laughs> liked to bite everybody. He would bite fence posts. So we'll talk about that in a second. So, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so... I ended up showing this dog TJ in the threes, and oh, it was so ugly. There were times I couldn't make it off the start cone. Like, the judge would say forward, and I would go to say full again, and I couldn't even get the word out of my mouth because apparently he thought it meant bite. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. That's not, that's not an uncommon problem in the PSA. So, um,. <laughs> So you take TJ. Did you ever, did you finish that title with him? I don't remember. I did not. So I ended up, I showed him at Nationals this year. I finally, like finally at Nationals, I get my act together. And there's a scenario where I had to recall him, but I couldn't let him bite on the recall, even though there was a decoy agitating. So I right. go to recall and I see him just going towards the decoy. So I stepped in front of him and yelled at him. And the steward, um, Rick Furrow, who used to be involved in the sport, it was Jerry judging. Rick's like, where was that all season? <laughs> so that was my first attempt. Well, I decided then I'm going to buy a PSA 2 dog and show it in the three. And that was a dog by the name of Cy. I took Cy back to the one um, just as, you know, kind of an exhibition. They allowed me to do like exhibition with him in the one did great with him i put him in the twos the twos he did phenomenal except for the call off it wasn't that he would blow the call off but the way the call off used to be set up in the twos is they had caution tape well what he would do is he would see the caution tape set up and he would know what scenario we were doing and he would call himself off every time <laughs> Oh, fun. <laughs> so, so Jerry's like, you know, the only way you're going to fix this is just move him up to the three. And at the time, I was really lucky. Jerry was living in Maryland. 
of course, <clears throat> Greg was here. We were living with this guy, John, or um, this guy John Malinowski, who was a big competitor in PSA. He lives up here. Sean Edwards, Deadpool, Deadpool decoy. Um, he was training with us. I mean, we. I had such a good group of people that I was training with. And they really taught me so much. And then just in our club, we had six or seven decoys. I did get his first leg. Unfortunately, at training one day, we were working on fend-off. And he was trained to automatically take a leg. So I sent him, if he saw anything being held in the hands, he immediately took leg. And I told the decoy, he's just going to, he's going to go for the leg. This is the leg he's going to go for. Even though I told the decoy, he didn't move his leg. So the dog came in and hit and got jammed, unfortunately. Ah. I let him rest. And I mean, don't get me wrong. He was also, I mean, he was 11. He had had, when I got him, he had a lot of health problems. He had heartworm. He had terrible hips. I... I mean, I ended up fixing a lot of it with diet, like a lot of the general health problems. And then, of course, I had to get him treated for the heartworm. So, I mean, like, he was 10 at the time. He was old. And I knew it was going to be his last national anyway. But I couldn't really compete with him that much after he got jammed. So I took him, you know, one last competition, nationals. Out of, I think it was seven people, we did end up coming in third, which was pretty amazing. But, uh, you know, he was done after that. So, unfortunately, we only got the first flag. So, um, at this time, where um, talk about a little bit about the – because uh, we've had um, some IPO people on, and it's Al or whatever it's called now. <laughs> uh, but talk a little bit about the difference between um, – PSA and about IPO. So, and then we'll get into the judging side of it here in a little bit. So, with IPO or IGP, whatever they're calling it these days, um, I don't necessarily want to use the term Schutzen because, of course, we, you know, American Schutzen is now under the umbrella of PSA. Right. So, I don't necessarily want to say Schutzen because I don't want anybody being confused by that. So IPO, IGP, of course, they've got the three components, obedience, tracking, and bite work. The bite work is sleep work. The tracking is footstep tracking. And the obedience, I mean, it's difficult obedience, but there's really no distractions on the field. Um, They do expect very precise obedience, but again, there's no distractions on the field. I I don't necessarily like when people say it, it's too much pattern training, but there is a lot of pattern training with it. Um, me personally, I love the precision that comes in the obedience in IPL, but I'll be honest, I hate training tracking. Like footstep <laughs> tracking what? is painful. Well, no footstep tracking. Not, not not like oh. not not like we treat tracking. No, no, no. Yeah. Like, I'm talking yeah. like that IPO. Like they've got you know their nose. I, I, no, I can't do that. Yeah, like, and and then watching it is even more boring to me. So the best description um, I've ever, and this is what I say to people, um, somebody said it to me, but, you know, if we have a continuum uh, on one end, it being 
precision to a prescribed standard. So um, IPO or whatever we're calling it now um, has a very, very, very precise standard in terms of obedience and bite work and everything else and what's judged and whatever else. So what we're looking at is what is how close the trainer or the handler or if it's not the same person can get to that precise standard, that like ideal picture. Um, And that would be basically what we're talking about on the other end of the spectrum is PSA, uh, which is written very vague on purpose, which drives IPO people crazy. Um, (laughs) And we are looking at showcasing control and some precision and how well the team and the handler work together or the dog and the handler work together. Um, Uh And this is something we'll talk about here in a second when we get into judging, but you know, it's really common for PS or for IPO dogs um, to be handled by somebody that is not intimately involved in the training of their dog. Um, in fact, they have professional handlers just like they do in the show ring for IPO. PSA like that ain't. Yo, oh yeah. PSA that ain't the case. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm. I was before I was sitting here thinking about what we we're going to talk about. I was like, I was trying to remember if I've ever decoyed for anybody where the dog was not owned or well was the person handling a dog at a trial was not intimately involved in the training of that animal and that list is really really small um you know there's been some people that have bought some kmpv dogs and brought them over and tried to trial which jerry will tell you that was a with his dog whatever that uh what was that dog's name ricardo Ricardo. yeah that was a shit he said that was a shit show he said that was like some of the hardest training he ever did trying to convert that dog from a ph1 to a psa3 and but you know the dog and then the handler have to be are judged as a team as a whole um Uh and we're judging control because we and that's the knock i mean everybody says psa is just a bunch of everybody running around yelling which is kind of true but um you know we are judging finite things so on the judging side how did you get involved in that so i mean there's only two oh well it's you and janet are the two female judges correct we have another one yeah. I don't think so. Yep, we're the only oh. two. Right, okay, so, and the rest of them are guys. So, there's only yeah. two female judges, you and Janet. So, how did you decide and become involved in the judging? I had been helping out with PSA for a while. Of course, I'd shown in the threes. I got my first leg. I... I was doing a lot with the rule book at the time, just in terms of editing and writing a lot for it. Not so much coming up with the rules, but just writing it. Um, Because basically they're like, Katrina's smart and she knows how to write. (laughs) I was doing a lot of stuff like that. The proofreading of a lot of their stuff. Um, Even like the judge's handbook at the time. I mean, I wasn't even a judge yet. I was still, I was proofreading that stuff. So I knew a lot about it, but I was also taking pictures at the time. So I was also on the field a lot. And there weren't a lot of judges, you know, and Jerry urged me to submit my letter of intent, which I did. And unfortunately, the directors at the time, there were a couple I didn't get along with. And they were basically like, no. You know, she needs more experience. Okay, fine. Well, those directors ended up stepping down, and Jerry called me and said, I want you to be a judge. Now that they're not around, I I do think that you're going to make a good judge. So 
I did a fast track apprentice program, um, and really within just a few months, I I was able to be a judge. So, so that, that's how I got involved with that. Yeah. So um, you know, when we're judging and when we're in PSA, because that's kind of one of the things that I think is a little because you know, like the ring sports have the dog and white program, and then IPO just has like literally everything written down like to a T. I mean, like mm-hmm. I and so the handler meetings and PSA during the trials are like super super important, especially when you're in the twos and the threes, because mm-hmm. um, I have to go through them a couple times, like as a decoy and then I go through them with the handler too just so I can make sure <laughs> everything's going on um, and that's kind of the other thing about PSA that's interesting um, it, it you don't really I mean even in the ones so we have some some mandatory exercises uh, the carjacking the attack on handler and then the courage test but then we have oh. surprise scenarios and then within those surprise scenarios you have different permutations of that so when you get to the twos and then you get to the three you have an idea of what you'll be asked to do. It's better that you know what you're not going to be asked to do. Like you're not going to be asked to track anybody. That's for sure. Um, so, you know, it but is you literally could be asked to do an area search. Right. Yes. Yes. I have been in a trial where that happened. Um, so yes, that, that is, so it is a, um, you know, Eric and I talk a lot about scenario based training for the police side and Mm -hmm. this is kind of the civilian side of the scenario based training. And to be honest, a lot of the exercises that we do in the twos and the threes, um, (laughs) Eric and I inadvertently do in, um, a lot of the patrol dog stuff, like the fend off exercises, um, the shedding drills, like all those things of the Blair, which um, drill that Eric and I do a lot at all of our HRD seminars um, I know was done at nationals one year um, I think Jeff Riccio was decoying but uh, I mean talk a little bit about because um, I don't think I think people kind of when they see the threes it's like oh well if I if I have a money ring three if I have a French ring three like I know exactly like what it should look like in the program and everything else and I've decoyed a lot of threes and every time I do one it is completely different so Talk a little bit about how you prepare as a judge for um, having somebody come to a trial to to try and get the three. One of the big things, my philosophy with the threes is if it's something that Cy or Greg's dog Asia, who got her three, if it's something that they were able to do, To me, it's fair because I know that it can be trained. I admit that I I don't have a dog in the threes right now, but what I will try to do is I I will try to teach Lily the components and get her to do it. So again, at least I know it, it, it can be done. It can be trained. Right. Because one of the things that, you know, I, I've told handlers at seminars, Prepare for everything. Think of as many different iterations of something that you can. Yeah. So when I, I usually need to get some type of inspiration and it usually just starts with one little thing and then the rest of the scenarios, especially with obedience, the rest kind of falls into place once I have that one little piece. Like, Ted, you were down in Arkansas with me. Uh The 
<laughs> the bite heard around the world with Derek. Um, the he didn't check his that, muzzle. That that <laughs> he didn't check his muzzle, and I saw him not check his muzzle. So he can be mad all he fucking wants, but I he didn't check his fucking muzzle, and I saw him do it, and I told him he didn't after I pulled the damn muzzle off. Well, after the muzzle got stuck, and he can cry all he wants, but I I know he didn't, and you know. He loaned the muzzle to Cecil right before that and didn't resize it. And then he says he didn't. But I was like, dude, I've been out here all day. Like, I've been standing here. I've been decoying all these dogs. And you didn't check it. I watched you do it. Like, I stood here. If I had, had, and I had a suit on, right? So had I not had a suit on, I would have been like, hey, somebody check that. Because... Casino will bite you. So, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, I listen. I don't even know all this shit, and I've heard of <laughs> Casino and that he will bite you. He Casino oh, yeah. will bite you. But uh, no, Derek. He, there was a muzzle at the very beginning of a of a scenario where the dog was supposed to engage me with a suit on and a muzzle, and Derek didn't check his muzzle. And if you bite. You zero because it's a muzzle exercise. So I watched him not do it, and the dog hit me right in the pocket, and muzzle came off. So then he bit me in the mm. stomach. <laughs> so yes, the bite heard were on the world, and it was literally within the first twenty seconds. Like yeah, it was. Like, yeah, I mean, it was like a ten minute routine, and the t- he didn't make it for twenty seconds <laughs> in. <laughs> so so. I have a question for you guys about uh, judging and, and stuff in the threes. Um, okay. Is it like um, counter espionage from the <laughs> trainers and the handlers trying to figure out what you're going to, what the scenarios are going to be, or they kind of go off an average of what the, is it the judges that make the scenarios? Yeah. Is it, is it, is it, they're trying to figure out kind of, well, what is Katrina like? There's a pretty good chance she's going to do something in this genre kind of thing. Or is it or is it just like constantly people like trying to get little bits of pieces of information from you? Um, you know, it's funny because when I was showing in the threes, one of the big things that Jerry kept saying to me is he's like you've got to ask questions you've got to ask questions so he used to come out to the handlers meetings with me for the threes so that he could ask the questions because i was like i don't know what questions to ask and one of the things i've noticed is i can't tell you the number of handler meetings are there any questions and like the handlers will look at me and i'm like no really are there any questions and they don't have questions i'm like i don't understand I was told no, I would raise my hand every time and go, yes, what is the scenario? Well, I mean, <laughs> what are you, you try, doing? Unless you try with fucking Stacy and then that motherfucker asks like 900 questions. So that dude He's playing the game. It. He's gaming it. Well, he got his fees. He got his three. So, yeah. I mean, but, uh, you know, and that's what I was saying earlier, that the reason you ask the questions is because you have to know intimately what you and or your dog are good at. And uh-huh. um, so if there is, for instance, like you have a lot of start cones in PSA, like, you know, you go from exercise to exercise. So sometimes the cones are hard, which means that you can't leave the cone. And uh-huh. if you do, there's a minor point deduction. And so if you know the dog's not going to do something and you have to help him heal heal up to it or whatever, if you leave. So you're constantly kind of deciding how many points you're bleeding off as you're going through the routines uh-huh. and uh, are in your head. And and watching Stacy, I don't want to do math. 
well, well, Stacy only has nine and a half <laughs> fingers. So like oh. <laughs> watching him and yeah. So watching him try and count, I was like, man, because <laughs> he's constantly, he's like, I don't know. <laughs> he's like, I guess we'll see what happens. So but yeah, it's a, uh, so that's kind of like where this question was going. Like, so when you're preparing for the threes, um, there are some exercises and there's a lot of things in the threes that we have to do. Um, and so how do you go about building that entire, I mean, some of those things are like 10 minutes. Shit. I did one with Joe down in Houston. I mean, Megan was out there for like 20 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. So how do you go about building, um, the three routines, um, you know, what exercises are involved and then also talk about what, I mean, you don't have to say exactly, but there are some things that aren't judged and some that are, and you don't know right. until you're done. So, well, and that's the thing. I mean, it is completely up to the judge. So we have a list of things, you know, that could possibly appear in the three. And as a judge, we're told we have to have a certain number of those. Definitely. We can't have less than a certain number. I think it's like 10 things that we have to have or I forget. But it's, you know, there's or there's a list of 10 things. And I think out of that, there's a certain number. But we can put as many of those components in there as we want. We just we don't have to give everything points. So if I have three jumps, maybe I make two of them judged, one of them not. But the thing is, you're not going to know which one isn't judged. Yeah. So So that's where the mind game comes in. Right. And that's why I was saying, you you know, as a hand, that's what I meant when we're judging control. Um, mm-hmm. And I hate, I don't want to pick on Derek, but it's so fun and easy. But, you know, Derek, you know, and there's another Arkansas trial and I guess the dog had to down in a pool with water in it. Mm-hmm. And he was super focused on that. And I think Jerry was judging. He was super focused on this. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, it's probably, maybe, I didn't know. I don't really care either which judge was not. But I'm like, I don't know what's judged. I'm like, don't look at me. But I kept, I leaned over to him. I was like, are you sure this is even judged? He was like, man, I don't know. I'm like, well, <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it then. And if, if it is, it's probably only worth like three points. So I don't know mm-hmm. like why you're so worried about it. And, you know. Turned out he didn't add anyway, so it didn't matter. But, um, (laughs) so, you know, I mean, I think that's kind of the part that drives a lot of people crazy with, um, not understanding the sport because it does look like a just fucking willy nilly shit going sideways and in reality we're testing um, some foundational skills even in the threes Mm -hmm. um, handling dog skills uh, and then you know we're putting environmental pressure on the dogs in the threes a lot as well so you know um, I think that's the kind of the big knock with um, a lot of people Um, I, I saw it last week somebody was like you know PSA dogs are known for their notorious lack of control and I thought to myself, I was like, I don't Are know what the hell, I was like, I don't know what sport you're fucking watching, but I mean, you have five decoys standing there yelling at the dog and we're within, well, we can only be within three feet now, but yeah. I mean, and the dogs are still not biting. And then there's the whole, well, it's not realistic. It's not made to be, but that's the other knock. Um, I don't know where that came in. Where did that come in? Like, where did the notion that PSA was supposed to be realistic come in? Because we use hidden equipment. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even entirely sure. I, I'm not even entirely sure. <laughs> I mean, I started you know, that I mean, rumor. There, 
there's, <laughs> a, you know, there's a car, Jack, and I think yeah. people are like, oh, you know, it's supposed to be realistic because there is a car, Jack. Like, it's a real, you know, it's one of those things that could be helpful to you if your dog will really bite. Right. Because one of the, you know, and that's kind of one of the things that people say a lot is they're like, oh, it's not realistic because if somebody was yelling at the dog, they would bite. And, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, I mean, you find me one of these PSA three dogs like shit, Leray's dog, Kilo, that dog will kill you. Oh. <laughs> like, uh-huh. That dog, that dog's got more bodies than Suge Knight. And the fact that Leray was able to get a, even a leg on that dog just floors me to this day. And... I think Josh and I were decoying for that when he got his that first leg. But I mean, that was that dog and Casino is another one. I've decoyed several PSA three dogs that'll bite the shit out of you for without even like yeah. standing there. So I think they mistake vigilance to. for control, which I think is a little bit of a misnomer when it comes to um, like what people see with PSA versus what I guess compared to patrol dogs. Well, and the thing is. I mean, you've got dogs like Ricardo also, who got a three. Right. Ricardo was a dog that put handlers in the hospital. Like, right. put a couple on permanent disability. He was a hard-ass dog. He got his three at a time. You know, you'll hear people say the threes now are insane. I am telling you, I competed in the threes before there were guidelines. And when I competed in the threes, they were, you literally went out there and you just hoped that the planets were aligned enough so that your dog could get through it. And you had to get an 80% yeah, in I was obedience. Say, then there was the 80 rule, so. <laughs> oh yeah, and, the, and each fight work scenario was worth 60 rather than 50 points and you had to get 80% of those points. And there was yeah. literally like, you know, now they say like, you know, one of the scenarios has to be a courage test style. I'm telling you right now, there were like those guidelines were not in place when Ricardo got his story. No, no. Yeah. And that's the thing. So, I mean, as of this recording, so it's uh, the end of June in 2019. Um, there are and PSA is what, tw- almost 20 years old or 20 years old. Right. We it. Uh, we're almost 20 years old. I think in two years, we will be 20. Okay. And we have 23, I believe. 23 PSA three dogs. Mm -hmm. That's nuts. And it's not for lack of trying. I love hearing that numbers. Oh, I know. It's definitely not for lack of trying. Oh, yeah. It might be 24. (laughs) Did somebody go on recently? Because I think the one last one was Derek, I guess. And... And the, no, and well, Derek got his, and then um, Bob Campanelli and Walter oh, Flynn right. got theirs. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, no. yeah, definitely not for lack of trying. So, where, no. you know, when we do the HRD, actually, we're going to go take a break for a second, and then okay. we come back. We're going to talk about um, some of the crossover stuff and talk about more about the judging. Okay. Hey guys, we got a great new sponsor, man. We're super excited about this. I have a box full of challenge coins. I love them. Everywhere we go, I'm always asking people, do you have challenge coins, challenge coin? Um, But I don't have one. Working Dog Radio doesn't have one. Torchlight doesn't have one. HRD doesn't have one. So we are 
going to get those. We're going to get them made. And we're looking around trying to figure out who we're going to use, who we're going to get to make these challenge coins. We partnered up with the good people at Combat Bet. That's C-O-M-B-A-T-B-E-T. And they've got several different cool styles to choose from. They got other things too. They got some cards. They got a lot of different cool stuff. They're giving a uh, discount code for us, Working Dog Radio. Um, I can't wait. Um, we're going to get uh, these challenge coins. And I'm telling you, if I give you one, you better have it. If I see you, I'm going to blast that thing out on the bar and you have to buy me a drink. CombatBet.com. Check them out. They have several different styles of coins. Um, we're really super proud to have them on here, man. CombatBet.com. Yeah, it's no secret that uh, Eric and I use a lot of equipment at either up in Ohio, Venice, or here at Torchlight. Uh, we've been using Dogtriff for years. Both of us have. Um, even before we even started the podcast, you know, one of my favorite products is a 1900S hands-free. I use it all the time, and I've uh, even got a different collar on it so I can put it on dogs super fast. Uh, there's no messing around with it or whatever else, and I just keep the remote in my pocket, and I have the finger kick on my, on my finger or on my wrist, and uh, makes it super easy, but... Doctor's got several products, and not just for police dogs. You know, he's doing for hunting dogs. They've got a long history uh, with the hunting dog community. But uh, great products, several things for everybody, from pets all the way up to working dogs. And they also have the awesome ball watcher and popper that I use at the kennel. Uh, I think I've got four of those things now. And um, we've got them in a box. I've got them hidden in cars, all kinds of stuff. But for uh, listeners, anytime you use the discount code WDR10, you get 10% off a single item over 200 bucks and that's at dogtra.com go hit them up dogtra.com hey guys coming up it's coming up august august 13th through the 16th the hits conference hits is the best conference going it's the biggest it's uh there's only a couple conferences that we back and we sponsor over here at working dog radio based on who runs it the type of material the type of training the instructors everything they get nothing shady happening hits um I can't say enough about the guys. You've heard them on the podcast, man. They're all legit. They're handlers. Um, they're out there working every day with that dogs, with those dogs, and they're putting on this big, huge conference. They got a uh, price increase coming up, man, so don't mess around. This year it's in Chicago at McCormick Place. Like It's the size of Canton, Ohio, pretty much, the entire <laughs> venue that they're going to be at. Um, check them out. HitsK9.net. Don't wait. Yeah, you know, one of the other uh, sponsors that we have that's also uh, nothing shady going on that we're super happy to have on the podcast <laughs> is Ray Allen. Uh, I think Ray Allen made equipment for um, dogs that are on the Ark. They've been around for so long. Uh, their product designer, uh, you know, Matt, is one of our good buddies. Uh, we love that dude to death. Uh, they do a good job there. They've got that new treat pouch that Eric really likes. Uh, keep your fucking hoodies from smelling like hot dogs or, or pill jack. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just ordered a bunch of rubber arms and we ordered a leg for Eric uh, that uh, is good for proofing patrol dogs and they've got everything not just for police dogs they get stuff for working dogs and they got stuff for uh, for other working dogs like search and rescue or hunting and then also just for pets also they've got leashes and everything for and harnesses just regular collars everything you need if you're going to go over there make sure you use the discount code also working dog radio spelled out uh, the beginning of each letter needs to be or word needs to be capitalized you'll get uh, 10% off your first order and yeah they have 
just about everything you need except for the dog and the patrol car. So hit them up and not owned by a uh, somebody that has pled guilty to uh, sex offender crimes. So there's that. You guys have heard me talk and Ted talk about our relationship with Highland Canine. Um, we've done it on social media. We, you've heard it here in the commercials and things. And we do that because we believe in the Pergasons and we believe what they got going on there. Um, they have a school for dog trainers. They got a police dog training school. Um, and, and they started to realize what they were doing was everything was um, basic training for them. And they do have a lot of basic training classes. They take you, uh, they teach you, say you're a handler, they're training you, and then boom, out you go on the road. But what we see in this business is most guys don't follow up with any kind of advanced courses. So Highland Canine, they're like, you know what, we're going to take care of that. They have started a um, advanced detection, or excuse me, an advanced um Canine courses, like a whole curriculum they're rolling out. Back in April, they started with an advanced detection course. Um, they're going to go into advanced skills for every aspect of police canine training. Uh, be sure to check it out. Look for upcoming classes, tacticalpolicecanine.training.com. That's the letter K, the number nine, tacticalpolicecanine.training.com. Harmony, North Carolina. Check them out. So everybody knows that we uh, love the guys at Southern Coast, Bill and Peggy Heiser, and of course, Danny. But they've also got a second company called Coast to Coast Canine, which handles uh, detection services, and they are looking for two full-time and one part-time explosive handler. So be sure to hit them up and email Peggy Heiser. So you're going to do P Heiser H E I S E R at C the letter two C the letter K the number nine dot com. That's C to C Canine dot com. Shoot her your resume and apply for the jobs for a full-time explosive handler. There's two of those. And then uh, a single part-time handler, uh, explosive handler at c2ckanine.com. Peggy Heiser at c2ckanine.com. Go ahead, I'm up. So I got a uh, bomb dog in my uh, kennel right now. I'm imprinting her on the seven odors that we use over here in Ohio. None of those odors are the HMEs like TATP, um, urea nitrate, and some of the other ones. We... Um, are afraid of that shit and I'm not touching it. I'm not messing with it, but I do want my dogs to, to find it. So looking around, you know, my guys go through some training with the FBI, like once a year, it's pretty hard to stay proficient on that stuff. And I'm not messing with that stuff for real. So what do we do? True scent. True scent is a, um, it's not a pseudo odor. It's a simulant. It is real odor suspended in silica. Now listen, they have everything. They have all the explosive odors you want. Um, but I specifically look for the, the HME kits. They got several of them. Um, check them out. Uh, it's, it's real explosive odor. Um, it's good stuff, man. We really like them. You heard Ellie, their chemist, on our um, podcast. We made a whole T-shirt based on that podcast. Uh, it's good type of stuff. TrueScentK9.com. Um, when you get there and plug it in, they do give us a discount code, which is WDR, all capitalized, WDR15. That's a WDR15 for 15% off training aids. Get on it. Yep. So working dogs, whether they be police dogs or hunting dogs or search and rescue, whatever, have a fantastic talent of managing to hurt themselves in magnificent and magical ways. Um, if I could count the ways that my fucking dogs have managed to hurt themselves, it would fill up an entire podcast episode. 
not everything is going to require a vet visit. I'm not suggesting that you don't take the dog to the vet, but stuff that's normal, like hot spots, pad injuries, happy tail, stuff that's just kind of annoying, uh, can turn into serious issues. The guys at Vet Care have produced a, st- a product called Quick Derm that is absolutely fantastic. Eric actually has a guy that's close to him that runs a fairly large boarding kennel uh, that had a dog come in that had hot spots already when he got there, and you know you didn't want to be blamed for hot spots. So uh, he actually ordered some of the stuff and cleared it up in, I mean, a couple of days. I actually had some pretty gnarly burns from uh, dealing with the talks at the HRD seminars uh, from doing some of the muzzle work. And I was able to clear up something on my arm <laughs> in about seven days, and it didn't tear up my tattoo, which is kind of nice. So so if you go over to vetcare.us, it's going to be 10WDR. And you'll get 10% off your first order. And we've heard some rumors that they were upgrading people on sizes when you use the discount code. So head over and put it in your uh, put it in the patrol car and you'll be good to go. All right. We are back with Katrina Williams from a PSA, PSA secretary, PSA judge, PSA competitor. And we've been talking about uh, kind of the history of the threes and PSA and kind of the history of PSA in general in terms of how it's evolved. Um, and one of the things that um, Eric and I talk about a lot in our HRD seminars is um, the importance of good decoys <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, how that makes or break. And I tell you what, every time we go to one of these HRD things, um, we source local-ish decoys or we'll bring our own. And most of our guys are all um, Mondial Ring or PSA guys. And sometimes they're cops. Uh, like, for instance, the one we just did in Flint, um, we had uh, a kid from Tom Rose who uh, they obviously has a very heavy PSA um, influence. And then we had um, Luke Miller, who worked for, he went through Bradshaw's deal at Tar Heel um, and is a PSA decoy. And every single one of those guys in Flint, Eric, what were they telling us? That like, holy shit, we can't, like, they couldn't believe how much better the dogs were performing as patrol dogs in these scenarios we were doing because of the decoy work. And then we had Scott LaRoe, too, who's um, a trainer, but also a very good decoy. Yeah, they, um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of guys say they understand the value of a decoy. Um, but to a lot of guys, it, the value is they, they don't have to do it. So if that <laughs> keeps them out of the suit, that's the value. But what they don't understand is that the, you know, how, how important the decoy is. And, you know, at those seminars, we have we have trust in our decoys and, and they're training the dogs. We do a whole, you know, those of you who haven't been there, the, after the lecture and the first day, we do a whole grip check thing and work on your grips and see where they're at and everything like that. And the decoys are doing that. I'm not standing there watching that. I mean, I might throw in a couple things here and there, but the decoys are working that and they're talking to the guy and they're doing that. That's why we, we don't bring every swing and dick to it and that's why for a sport like PSA it, it has to be difficult to be a decoy I like uh, the fact that Mondial is. Ring and, and PSA and some of the other ones make the decoys like there's a ton of testing and evaluating and trials oh, and no. um, my one buddy Jake he went to freaking Russia to get you know I think his Mondial Ring 2 I can't remember but they had a whole separate trial just for those guys and a lot of people don't understand how much work is put into it it's not just throwing the suit on like back in the old day 
Yeah, no, no doubt. So, um, yeah, decoys, and it's always going to be my favorite part of PSA anyway, but um, is the decoy stuff because that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, talk a little bit about how... Um, like as you're judging, um, what you're looking for in terms of because one of the one of the things that kind of came out recently is that the judges you guys talk after the fact and the scores are also kind of looked at by other judges so it's not just like a one and done thing and the 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 variability between all of you is actually not that high. Um, it's, it's, it's very, I mean, within a couple of points, I remember looking at all the numbers, but I mean, you know, if one judge saw the routine and didn't know what the other judge did, then you like, I remember score being like within half a point or something on one of them. I was like, Oh dang. All right. So, Mm -hmm. which has been one of the big knocks in PSA in the past. And it's funny because I hear that. And (laughs) so this is going to show what a nerd I am. Um, of course, with my regular job, I I do a lot of research and I know how to do statistics, high-level statistics. So I one time took the scores from apprentice judges as well as the judges they worked with. So same exact dog, you know, just two different scores. And I ran statistics on it to get what we call an inner rate of reliability score, which is just it's a measure of how similar the scoring is. And it's to make sure that the scoring is similar. Right. And it was so high. It it was nearly 100 percent. I think it was like 98 percent, essentially. Yes. I remember seeing so, it. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, so it's actually very, very similar. Um, we do know what, you know, now don't get me wrong, there are certain things that, you know, some of us are a little harder on than others. It does tend to work out the end. I am very picky in obedience. <laughs> And I think part of that was because when when I was showing in the threes, I mean, I remember one time I lost close to 23 points for giving verbal corrections. <laughs> and Daryl <laughs> called me out on it. <laughs> yes. So I, that tends to be something that I pay attention to a lot. So when I, I judge, I, I think personally, and even from what I've heard from other people, they say that I, I tend to be very hard on obedience. I'm not, I won't say that I'm lenient in fight work, but I think that there tends to be a little bit more room, at least for me in the fight work, especially in the upper levels. Because one of the things that, as a judge, I, you know, most of us consider is that the way that we have something in our head, the way that we've pictured it, may not be the way that it's executed on the field. Right. And unfortunately, that it, it doesn't, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean that we came up with a bad scenario. It just means that we might have to change how we look at it a little bit. So... I think that we do all judge fairly similar in terms of, yes, we get the same scores in the end, but there might be some differences 
you know, I'm always very hard on like motion exercises. Like I want to see a nice quick motion exercise. That's one of my things. Right. So for me, you know, I might take a little bit more from that than I would from something else. Whereas somebody else may be looking at that other thing a little harder, if that makes sense. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. What is an example of a motion exercise not being a PSA guy? Um, okay. I'm kind of curious as to what that is. So a motion exercise is you're healing with the dog and you know, thinking about the ones you're told to leave your dog. It's your choice. You can do a sit, a down, or a stand. You have to con- you have to continue on forward motion and give your dog the command while you're still walking forward. You shouldn't look at the dog. You shouldn't pause. It should be regular, you know, just regular speed walking. You know, so it might be... If I'm healing with my dog, Lily, I'm healing along with her, and I might say, oh, she's down to man, and I keep going, and she should down nice and quick, preferably exactly where I say the command. Right, yeah. Like, you start, as the judge, you start ticking off seconds in your head? I look at, I want to see a dog, for me, when I judge a motion exercise, if it's a down I want to see, I want to hear that command come out, but pretty much as that command's coming out, I want that dog to hit the ground. I don't want it to take a couple extra steps. I want it to just, you know, and I don't want it to kind of keep its butt in the air or, you know, stay up on the elbows. I want it to just settle quickly into a down and then not move again until it's given another command. Right. And then not creep. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Which, I mean, as a decoy, um, and I think, oh, because we all talk about it too. And that's where, uh, and this is kind of going into the next question too, like as a judge, um, for people in doing their PDC, which is the entry level, um, it's not actually a title certificate, but going for the PDC and their ones, um, what advice do you have for people, um, whether it be dog selection, which is super important in PSA, or um, do you have some advice that that would help people that may be listening that are getting ready to trial or that are thinking about trialing? I mean, well, obviously, yes, dog selection. Make sure you have the right dog. Um, Try to go to a mock trial. I can't stress the importance of going to a mock trial and trying to do the bite work when your dog has never seen that type of situation before. Because I keep telling people, you will never mimic the intensity at a trial in training. So if you can go to a mock trial and you can, you know, you can actually work on PSA decoys and stuff like that, that is going to help immensely. But I also tell people, read the rule book. This is one of those things, and I've spoken to other judges about it. Nothing is more apparent than when somebody comes out and they haven't even read the rule book. It's like the rule book's online. Get the rule book. Read the rule book, please. You know, we even, Koi down in Dallas, put together a video. Like, look for resources. Don't decide one day, hey, I'm going to go out and do a PDC. 
I mean, that's what I did for the threes, and I can recommend. I can tell you that that's not a good idea. Yeah, no, that's not good. So uh, for the upper levels, uh, for the twos and the threes, um, what advice do you have? Um, for the twos, okay. So taking a step back, one of the things that I would tell people is don't show your dog in the PDC until it's ready, until you think it's ready for a one. Yeah. Don't show your dog in the one until you think it's pretty much ready for a two. And then get, the the, get out of the ones as fast as possible. <laughs> is, yeah, like don't show your dog over and over again. Um, yes. Same thing for the twos, though. Like don't show your dog over and over and over again. Because the obedience is pretty standard. Don't do it. If you don't pass, take some time to really go back to the drawing board and do some training and then get back on the field. Um, especially if you have a dog that is smart and will try to figure things out because I have a dog like that. And I know that I've got to be very careful with the number of times I show her. So oh, yeah. then, then once you get once you're getting ready for the three, if if your dog's age will allow it, take a year off and really just spend a year training for the threes. Um, I've spoken to a couple people now who have done that, who have been successful. Um, I mean, Janet, Janet titled her second dog in the threes, and she's like, the best thing I did for myself was listen to people who told me to take a year off with Danny. Ah. And that's what she did. She took a year, and she really just trained hard. Uh, so from a decoy's perspective, um, and I think Josh Kirby and I were talking about this a couple months ago, but in the threes, I constantly see, and the twos also, I see dogs, um, I see handlers and teams bleed points in the same places, and it's always position changes, the retrieve, and jumps and tunnels. Mm-hmm. And it's all foundation shit that happens that should be ready by the time you're in the ones. But I think a lot of people um, kind of blow by that when they get into the upper levels and just kind of forget about it. And that stuff is always mandatorily judged. Most of it is anyway. And mm-hmm. I see dudes or teams bleed points on those because in the threes, too, we're going to be messing with you. So the dog is going to be under a ton of stress anyway. And so... I tell people all the time because they ask me, you know, like, well, what should I work on? I'm like, position changes. Uh-huh. And because I've seen, I can't count the number of times that I watched Stacy miss getting a three, his title by like one point, two points, three points. Um, you know, I've seen several other teams miss it by, you know, three points, four points. And uh-huh. had position changes been perfect or near perfect, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. They may yep. have passed, but it been barely, but it still counts, but still. Um, and, and that's what I kind of tell people, like, once you get past the ones, um, it's kind of like our signature exercise is that PSA one courage test and the two man and the two. And, you know, once we get past that, there's not a whole lot we can do physically to the dog. I mean, cause we're not going to go out there and hurt dogs, but there's not much more physically we can do to them. So then we just ramp up with more decoys and environmental stuff. So like once you get past the ones, like we got to start, kind of getting creative as decoys about what we can do and what we can't do. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, those are 
hard, fast exercises in the ones. And that's what I tell everybody. I'm like, you know, one, the ones are fast. Like everything in the one, every bite in the ones is at a, like as Mach 10 and mm-hmm. the dog needs to be at Mach 10. The downfield speed is judged. The entry is judged. The grip is judged. The out is judged. How fast it's out. Everything is how mm-hmm. fast. Everything is speed, speed, speed. And mm-hmm. Twos and the threes, you can afford to kind of slow down a little bit, but there's not much more we can do in in the one in the twos and the threes that we do in the ones physically anyway. Like I'm not gonna go out right. there and hit dogs with baseball bats and bowling pins and shit, but um, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, that's what I tell people. I'm like, if they're if they can ha- if they can get through the ones, there shouldn't be anything short of chainsaws and leaf blowers that they haven't been exposed to it in the twos and the threes that is gonna scare them. Okay. So. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Although so. I will tell you one of the biggest things I see is water. Oh, uh, yeah. That too. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Water also. Um, water? Yeah. We w- use water. Yeah. Water or water? <laughs> she's from the East Shut Coast. Water. Oh, she's from Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. It's from Maryland. I'm actually originally from Philly, so. Yeah, well, that, that's true. That water is Philly for sure. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to offend you with with no, Baltimore. <laughs> so let me ask you this: What? And I, I've asked a couple people this before, and it's been brought up: Is so? What is life like with a PSA three dog after they're done? Is it just freaking horrible? No. Or do they chill? Um, I I mean, even before Asia got her three, I mean, Asia was always kind of. A chill dog. She, I mean, Asia was always a very chill dog. Asia, way before she got her three, was sleeping in the bed with us. Um, she was our house dog. She's, you know, and after she got her three, nothing changed. She was our house dog. Um, she just didn't go to train. <laughs> the with Sai, he was so old. I had to be careful with Cy because he was incredibly male dog aggressive. So, and Greg had his male dog too. We had a couple of other male dogs. So I just, we had to be a little bit careful with him, but he could be out all the time. Most of our dogs can be out. Like even my dog, Lily, she can be out. But I mean, if you look at Janet's dog, Danny, I mean, Danny's out all the time. Zuko was out all the time after, you know, even before he got his three. Um, I mean, Danny let their daughter Reese do his nails and stuff. <laughs> I remember seeing that. Yeah. So, no, uh, and then at, at, when they retire, it just means they don't have to out anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> they're retired. It doesn't mean they're retired. He doesn't have to out, he, or he doesn't have to. Do a so, right so is so. there a PSA breeding program? I mean, not sanctioned by PSA, but is that a thing where PSA three dogs maybe you know garner some interest in the breeding side? I don't think there's ever been a, a PSA three to a PSA three that has taken. I know that. I know that Derek did try with Megan's dog, Felon, um, but it did not take. I don't think that there has been any other, I mean, part of the problem is there's not a lot of PSA3 females out there. True. So it's not like you have a lot of chances with that. Um, Of course, we know that Derek breeds casino a lot. Um, 
I personally, I mean, I personally love Casino. I think everybody knows that. Um, I bred my female to him. The litter that I have on the ground now is actually a repeat breeding. So, to Casino. Yes. So, because you could have, I mean, not necessarily even PSA 3 to another 3, but, you know, it's a, of course, it's a big deal when you see that BRN number for a dog, from a dog Mm -hmm. from Europe with, and you're looking back through the titles of the people, or excuse me, of the dogs that are in the dog's lineage. Um, Mm -hmm. I would think that in this country, if we're focusing on, at least this country, if we're focusing on breeding the best dogs, having PSA 3 in somebody's lineage there or in their pedigree would be uh, something I think you could, you should promote or, you know, should be advantageous for, for that, that male or even a female, but that male specifically when it comes to breeding. Um, Ted and I have talked to several people and we just, we just don't do enough of it here in the States. Mm -mm. I mean, I'm not volunteering by any means. Um, but I think with the, what I've seen from the PS, I mean, you think about it 20, 20 years and there's 23 or maybe 24 PSA three dogs. That's insane. Those mm-hmm. dogs that make it, um, a lot of those probably are worth collecting at least. Yeah. Collecting. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if Janet has semen from Danny, I don't think she does from Zuko. I don't know about Rocky. Um, I know that Ichi won't be bred um, ever. Um, you know, of course, I, I know that Tuco has been bred. I, Like I said, I know Casino has been bred. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the, I mean, some of the other males. I don't, I don't know. I. I think one of the things that does come up, and I know that it's even come up like with my litters that I have, people are super interested in my litters because they know Lily's lineage. Um, and of course they, they know of Casino, but the problem is Casino is not registered. Now Lily is FCI and AKC. And I can't tell you the number of people who have said to me, like, why didn't you pick an AKC or an FCI dog? Like, there's plenty of nice ones. And I was like, because I, you know, I can't hold out a set of papers and give them the bite command and have them bite. Papers don't bite. Dogs do. I was like, so I'm going to pick a dog that I think will complement my dog. I was like, I'm trying to improve what is out there in terms of work quality. So I don't care if there's papers. Yeah, and that, I mean, well, that's something that's important too. PSA doesn't even have, I mean, we don't even, it's not, we're not an FCI sport, so we can do whatever we want. But I think honestly, I think, I think that sometimes that might hold people back from breeding. And I think it holds, I think it unfortunately holds people back from getting puppies out of really nice breeding who are outside of PSA. Because like now, even with, I think it's Mondio, if, if your dog is not FCI registered, I think at some point you're not even going to be able to do club trials. 
Yeah, you definitely can't do like nationals now. I know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you got to be out there. Um, so, so in your opinion, that if the dog doesn't have that paper, the pups don't have it. No matter how good it is, people outside of PSA three are not going to be interested, and then the breeder ends up possibly stuck with a bunch of puppies. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't. Term. You know, I wouldn't say that it's it, that they're not interested. Like I can't tell you. Like I said, the number of people who want my puppies out of Lily and Casino, but they're like, oh, I can't do. Like I can't do Mondio with it. I can't do, you know, IPO with it. And I'm like, well, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah and, I mean, it is what it is. And, you know, PSA does promote crossover. I've worked several uh, monitoring three dogs in uh, that we're getting, trying to get their one. So, I mean, we all catch those dogs or we can work them. But um, it is a different sport for sure. I mean, Mondio and, 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 and French ring is completely different. But Mondio and PSA have a lot of similarities, but they are very different. The judging is different. The handling is different. The decoying is very, very, very different. Um, and so, but um, if you have a Mondio ring dog, you're, I mean, what was that? Dutchie Clutie, I think is his name. The one that was in yep. Arkansas. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he had some success in PSA um, and he's got a three and Mondio ring. So yep. he's a nice He's dog. actually showing at um, our trial in September. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, wow. uh, so uh, your trial are you judging? I am. What, what's your scenario? You want to give it away? <laughs> no. Um, no one's going to ask you, so I'm going to fucking ask you. <laughs> see if we can slip something out. <laughs> These idiots. I, I will tell you, I have them in my head. They have not been written, but they're in my head. They're they're there. But we know from this episode, your 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 obedience and shit better be tight. Yes. The dog better not even blink when you tell him to down. <laughs> Points. <laughs> exactly. Dog well, blink. Uh, fuck you. Uh, Done. You got, fuck, you, know, you got the fucking decoys yelling handler help every time they open their mouth. So, <laughs> which, uh, so yeah. Well, um, so you can get more information about PSA at uh, the national website, which is psak9.org. Yeah. Yeah. Letter, letter K number nine. Um, and there's a list of uh, clubs there. Um, and you guys are at, we're adding a bunch of clubs. It seems like all the time, like every month we're adding more. We definitely are. We're, you know, we're pretty much the fastest growing sport. And it's only going to get bigger, especially with American Schutzen now. Yeah, it's true. Which is something that just started. So that's a completely different conversation. But yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that started, but, uh, yeah. So where can we find, uh, so I, I said we can get you at PSAK9.org and, uh, that's where the list of all the trials and Facebook too, is where you guys update all that stuff too. Um, in fact, I'm decoying Mm -hmm. at regionals for the South in, uh, when is that? End of August, beginning at the very end of August. So yeah, I'll be down there for that in Tampa. That's going to be fun. So you have a good list of decoys down there. Yep, it's going to be me and Josh and Derek. <laughs> We're just going to make fun of his pants the entire time. Uh, and then I can't remember who else is going to be there. But, uh, yeah, it should be. Yeah, Jeff we got Ricky a good... is going to be there, I want to say. Oh, nice. um, 
I want to say, I feel like Ben Lipinski might, I might be wrong, but I feel like Ben Lipinski is going to be there. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Five awesome ones. So it'll be good Mm -hmm. for sure. Well, I, need Katrina, to, I need to start learning that shit. <laughs> Katrina, it's been good catching up with you. Yeah, and thank this you. is the uh, second uh, Ladies of Canine. So, uh, everybody, go check out PSA. Find your local club and uh, get a dog. Do a good selection. Yeah. Come, out and, come out and trial. <laughs> get your shit straight. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks, thank Katrina. I appreciate so much, it. Guys. Thank you. All right. Talk to Bye-bye. you soon. Bye. Bye. I want to take a second to talk about equipment selection for patrol work. One of the most important aspects of teaching and maintaining patrol functions is your equipment. Proper equipment selection and fit makes all the difference in the world when it comes to creating and maintaining patrol and sport dogs. This episode is possible in part with support from Arno at ALM Suits. Because of the importance of this equipment, I use ALM Suits exclusively. I've owned one for about five years and use it almost daily at the kennel and have caught thousands of dogs and tens of thousands of bites. Arno was able to make a great fitting suit for my lanky ass and I couldn't be happier with it. Arno can take your measurements and make you a suit each and everything he does in his shop in Vegas. Between the top-notch materials and the handmade aspect, you're getting some of the best bite equipment in the world from ALM. The suits come in a full range of weights, from training weight to comp weight, which is what I use because I'm not a pussy and you shouldn't be either. He offers some Kevlar inserts to make the thinner suits a little safer and more comfortable, plus they keep your tattoo artist happy. He makes a full range of toys and reward tugs also. Be sure to hit him up at alnk9equipment.com that's the letter K, the number 9, or arno, A-R-N-O at almsuits.com Be sure to use the discount code WDRADIO for 10% off your first order. Tell him you heard it here. Now go get bit. Eric here. Like many trainers, Ted and I go through toys with the hard super chewer dogs we typically have in our kennel. So we need toys designed to withstand the grueling reality of high drive working dogs. That's where USA Canine Dog Toys excel. Their toys are made from an extremely durable rubber compound. They have reward toys as well as food dispenser toys, all made to last and are very affordable. All the toys are military themed. Go to the website, www.usa-canine.com Check out the grenade-shaped toys. They got the cherry bomb. They got a lot of other great things over there, military-themed toys. Here's the best part. A portion of all USA Canine proceeds go to support military working dogs and other veterans organizations. And that's freaking badass. www.usa-canine.com. Use the promo code K9PRO. Or check them out on Instagram at USA Canine Dog Toys. Everybody loves stuff that goes boom. And we couldn't talk about stuff that goes boom without talking about Tripwire Operations Group. They're some of the best in the industry at stuff that makes loud noises and blows stuff up, specifically for guys in this podcast. For if you're handling an explosive dog or you're a trainer of an explosive dog, they have one of the most well-rounded, ready-to-go kits in the correct amounts and odors for any national standard or state standard certification. Head over to tripwireops.org to check it out. They're headquartered in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and a group of first responders dedicated to serving first responders. They believe that the most highly trained and prepared first responders create a safer America. They prepare you guys and other first responders and military to protect our country by providing products, services, training, and relationships which together no one else provides. In fact, they've done several HME large hide courses recently, which is a really valuable thing for explosives handlers because you're not really able to get that much odor in one place at one time safely. And these guys do a fantastic job. Be sure to head over to tripwireops.org and check out the full list of classes they've got going on and have contact info there on the website. 
Again, tripwireops.org. You got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.